Hello, dear listeners, and welcome to Rethink, a podcast where we revisit past articles from the University of Malta's Think magazine. Looking at the pioneering work we have featured in the past, we catch up with the researchers to see how far they have come since they appeared in the magazine. My name is Chris, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Diver. Hello. In the studio with us today is Dr. Vanessa Camilleri, who is researching artificial intelligence and its applications in education at the Department of Artificial Intelligence. Hi. Yes, my main research area is in the area of games, mostly what we call serious games or games that are meant to educate and train, not just children, so from a young age, but also adults. I'm also aware that a number of your projects have to do with empathy and uh, inviting empathy for yes. people who are, who are classified as different. So how does empathy in games and artificial intelligence come together? Yes, yes. That was a concept we were exploring a short while ago, and we had a couple of projects running there. The idea was to use an immersive environment, an immersive space, such as a virtual reality environment, mold this in a game-like environment, and use AI to be able to help users walk into people's shoes. It's very difficult to walk into people's shoes because it's very difficult for people to understand different situations than that which they are used to. So with VR, the whole immersive experience, the fact that the person is immersed as a first person into the situation, the person can actually see around, not just see, but experience the brain associate what the signals it's being fed as a kind of an associative experience. So through association, the person starts building up new experiences that ultimately help that person achieve a certain level of empathy with the situation that he is or she is immersed in. In particular, we had a project that was targeted towards teachers at the primary classroom level to be able to try and understand a bit more or rather walk in the shoes of children in their classroom who are on the autism spectrum, who have been diagnosed with autism. And this particular project was meant for the teachers to see the class and to see the environment and to see the other children and the teacher herself or himself through the eyes of the children. So the teacher started becoming the child. Okay, so everything was, you know, bigger, the perspectives were bigger, all those stimuli coming at the teacher, both auditory and visually, and the teacher could actually experience a few minutes into the life of a person with autism. Similarly, we had another project that involved the idea, again, of a primary classroom. But as we all know, classrooms are becoming very integrated, very different, diverse. There is the diversity of cultures inside the, the classroom. And it is not always easy for a teacher, especially somebody who has no previous experience of migration, for example, to fully understand what it is like to be a migrant within a particular classroom situation. So once again, we immersed that teacher to see the class from the perspective of a child with the background and experiences that are completely different from that of the teacher. So those were two projects that we had running for a couple of years. We're still trying to pursue some funds to be able to build up on them. But so far, the results from those projects, the initial results were quite promising. So it's education and social sciences and computer science. Yes, yes, yes. This is the kind of gray area, fuzzy area we work in because it's AI applied 
in this case to a number of education projects and practices so yeah uh, with the games that you introduced into the classrooms are they bespoke games for specific sort of lesson plans and specific sort of subjects or can they be sort of integrated or kind of changed for a lot of different mm -hmm. lesson ideas we've had different projects uh, where we at one point we had games that are general but which we recommended to be applied to specific subjects but yet again there are other games which we have worked with even for other projects where we specifically wanted to see how teachers of different subjects could find ways of integrating them within their subject because they're meant to be explored and experienced from different perspective. One important notion about game-based learning is not the game per se or the content of the game but it's the reflection that comes afterwards and I think that's the most important part that a teacher can and should exploit during the lesson. So any game can in reality be adapted to all the different subjects in one way or another. Just like way back in the past, for example, when Minecraft was the call of the day for games and classrooms and so on. So a couple of years back, more than a couple, People were trying to see how, for example, just this Minecraft could be applied to history, to geography, to physics, to maths, to science, all the different subjects. So one game can be seen from the different perspectives and facets. And reflection, post-game reflection, is a very important aspect of game-based learning. Is that reflection for the teachers or the students or both? Or is it kind both. of like a formative sort of assessment sort of thing? Well, it can take all the different angles. So it's important for the assessment part. And the teacher is there more as a guide to help students reflect on what they've just played, how they played it and what they've just done. Because it's not just a matter of playing snakes and ladders or it's not just a matter of playing Monopoly, but it's picking on a particular aspect and saying, OK, so let's think a little bit. What happened here? What did we just do? What did we just, you know, why did we do it? this? Why and what did we, we do? learn? Exactly. So that is the important component of game-based learning. So, for example, I went to a particular school, to my son's school, actually, and I was doing this kind of a game about rock, paper, scissors. And they were eight-year-olds at that time. And I adapted that. The game itself didn't change. It was rock, paper, scissors. Yeah. I did the game with eight-year-olds and I did the game with 13-year-olds. The game was the same, but the way I relayed the concepts to eight-year-olds and the sort of mathematics that I had the eight-year-olds do were a bit different from the mathematics and the concepts passed on to people who are 13 years old. The teacher plays a very important role and in being able to push this game-based learning concept. It's not just a matter of putting children in a class, having them sit in front of the computer or a board game and having them play mm. a game. I think the key element here is having games that don't run too long mm -hmm. and they don't require a lot of resources and a lot of setup. So easy games that are very quick to set up and somehow manageable. So short chunks. You have like 10, 15 minutes and you can just put it in and bring out the various concepts from it. Something for a starter or something for like a plenary or something. Exactly, like exactly. And you can use different games in different ways, like exactly as you said, like an icebreaker or to start your lesson and then start by extracting questions from them and throwing them at the class and building up the lesson from there. Or else, maybe as a concluding part of the lesson, you find that game. It's like bringing together the concepts you've been discussing, some things you've been working on in class and putting them there into the game. Dr. Vanessa Camilleri's article appeared in issue 21 of Think Magazine in September 2017.
Level up. Upgrading game-based learning. Suggesting a teacher might start the lesson by telling students to launch Pokemon Go on their phones might sound crazy. But this could be the new way to engage a generation of technophiles. Dr. Vanessa Camilleri writes about the potential impact of gaming in the classroom. If I say the words digital and video games, what's the first thing that pops into your head? Bioshock? Call of Duty? Maybe World of Warcraft? High-quality AAA games with millions of players around the world fueling a billion-dollar industry. Gamers immerse themselves in these worlds for hours on end, exploring them like travellers. They learn the law, complete missions, hone skills, becoming evangelists of their favourite worlds. And with good reason, games tap into their need for adventure and excitement, providing a safe space for them to live out their wildest dreams. This very visceral reaction to games might cause some to roll their eyes in exasperation and dismiss it as a waste of time. But they would be wrong. In a country where more than one in five students, about 21%, leave school because they feel demotivated, unengaged and bored, there is something to be learnt from games. The project Game-Based Learning to Alleviate Early School Leaving, or GBL4ESL, seeks to use games and incorporate them into the classroom effectively to reduce the rate of early school leavers to no more than 10% of the population by 2020, in line with European Union goals. So what is game-based learning? Although the use of games at school has been a common practice for some decades now, many were limited to basic drill and practice edutainment. But this is thinly veiled attempts of masking education within a game was about as popular as chocolate-covered broccoli, failing to stimulate any high-level cognitive activity, leaving students as disengaged and bored as they ever were. There is a need for more engaging games in the classroom, which offer the students the chance to learn without even realising it. Over the years, the boundaries of game-based learning have widened. The concept now includes meaningful play, serious games such as Pulse, Duolingo and Food Force. This said, the most essential features of a game have remained constant. A game must set out a problem that needs to be solved. The solution should be found within the framework of a set of rules, which may or may not be explicitly stated during the game. It also has to offer an environment that is conducive to promoting shared accomplishments. Whatever the game, research has shown that the potential for engagement is much higher when the game design is focused more on the application of strategy, communication, analysis and other high-order cognitive skills. Although, students who are at risk of early school leaving tend to fare rather poorly in academic subjects, this does not necessarily reflect their ability to grasp these more complex games and skill sets. There is a high potential for developing complex skills when playing specifically designed educational games. The importance of implementing game-based learning in the classroom is clear, and steps need to be made towards it being fully acknowledged within the educational community. In 2013, Malta's Information Technology Agency, or META, approached the Department of Artificial Intelligence with a proposal to team up as partners in a project designed to introduce the use of video games in the classroom to stimulate learning in young people. The suggestion was accepted immediately and a new collaboration was formed. The project was formed as an Erasmus Plus strategic partnership between five institutions in Europe. META, the University of Malta, and St. Margaret's College in Malta, Donau University, Vienna, and Neustromska School in Sweden. Two years later, the University of Malta took the lead on the design of a guidebook, while Mita and Donau worked on sourcing suitable games and bringing the project together. Challenges arose in the form of time constraints and simple geographical barriers. However, 
the mission was accomplished, resulting in a toolkit of digital games which can easily be translated into any lesson plan. The toolkit provided teachers with the materials needed to run the games confidently in the classroom, reintroducing an element of fun in learning. Its partner is a guidebook that explains how these games can be used most efficiently. Suggestions include allocating specific times for gaming in the school day and highlighting the importance of feedback and brainstorming to determine how to target different groups of students with each game. Among the most successful lesson plans are those focused on literacy and numeracy, which have been implemented with great success. The game's aim is to bring the player up to the highest standards in both of these skills, setting a strong foundation for further learning. This project also takes into consideration the learning kids do at home, and so advice is also available for parents, showcasing the theory behind the games and evidence of their success to persuade even the most die-hard video game sceptics. The use of the toolkit and the guidebook together will also help to change policy on a much larger scale, because no current policies exist to advise on the regulation of the use of gaming in the classroom. Everything that has been done in the area has relied on teachers' initiative the project team hopes to change this by standardising implementation of such games. Before the official release of the toolkit, school teachers and academics from the institutions involved were invited to workshops and seminars across Malta, Sweden and Austria to receive training on how to use the games effectively and offer their feedback. Their results were immensely positive. Marion Evelyn Kassar, a personal, social and career development teacher, found the toolkit to be particularly useful while introducing the large variety of topics covered in her wide subject area. I can safely say that with my students, game-based learning has increased the participation and engagement, she says. Others were most inspired by the flexibility of game-based learning, allowing the students to work to their own potential. Computing and ICT teacher Eleanor Mifsud said that students could be creative, innovative and reach their own level of attainment. GBL4ESL is designed to encourage a willingness to learn, which makes this independent learning such an important factor. More positive feedback included praise for how many diverse applications the toolkit had. We have used game-based learning to introduce topics, consolidate objectives, revise a single learning outcome or a whole topic, and explore mathematical facts during lessons. Rose Grishti and Victoria Brincat reported, having tested the toolkits in their classes with their mathematics students. Some teachers took this even further with their students, allowing them to be in control of objectives, rules and outcomes of their educational games. Marlene Galia and Dorian Grek run maths and computing extracurricular clubs in St. Margaret's College in Malta for students with a large range of abilities. Students of the maths club were encouraged to write pleasantly challenging puzzles for their peers, developing numeracy, but also communication and design skills. Problem-solving presented in gamification approaches is intriguing for all students, irrespective of their academic achievement or their motivation towards learning. These comments highlight the success of the game with both early school leavers and high achievers. Perhaps most important are the students' reactions to the games in the classroom. Jose Molina Avella at Neustromska School found that introducing an element of fun in a lesson with the use of digital or board games proved to have a huge impact on both teachers and students. He also said the evaluation that followed each game was a positive experience, allowing them to communicate their ideas on what worked well for them and what they would change. By involving both students and teachers in the testing process, the project became more of a collaboration rather than a question of dictating what would work best in the classroom. 
although the main scope of the project was the development of the toolkit and the practical guide for educators, there were a number of additional conclusions which emerged from the project and which are essential for the success of game-based learning. Having proper feedback, evaluation and input from students and teachers alike resulted in a project that they felt they could take ownership of, especially important in the case of disengaged early school leavers. Ultimately, the project highlighted the need to bring fun back into the classroom. Old-style game-based learning has no place in the learning environment anymore. But by changing our misconceptions about new digital and more interactive games, we open up a whole new world of potential learning resources, more likely to attract a technology-loving generation. So as you were preparing for developing these tools, did you encounter any situations where there are children who don't like games? I mean, somehow we assume um, that all children like games, but... Uh, interestingly enough, it wasn't exactly during this project, but we had another project a little bit before that, where we carried out a national survey of actually digital game use in Malta. I had some responses where students at school told me, no, we don't want to play games in schools. We play games at home. We don't want to come here and play games. There were various reasons given. Some children, some young children told me, because games we play at school are boring. Some children said, and maybe they did that because they wanted to please me, sort of like, and they said, oh, because, you know, we only learn from books, we don't learn from games. And others just said, oh, we just come to school, we just want to do this and get it over and done with, sort of. And I think there's a little bit of thing to contend with here and things to be extracted. First of all, there's the misconception, even by children, that from games you don't really learn anything. It doesn't mean that because they're enjoyable, they're fun, they're engaging, it doesn't mean that you're not learning something. Most probably you're learning much more from a game environment than from anything else when you're so immersed. Maybe we also have a bit of a misconception about learning because for us learning is like learning a chunk of text off by heart and that's learning. And in fact it is not. There are various aspects of learning and we can learn various things. But going back to your point about children saying that games are something to do at home, it's all fun to play games with your friends, but as someone has said, school is an industry that classifies children according to their date of production and Mm. puts them in one room with people they don't have or don't want to have anything in common with. So a school setting forces uh, children to play games with their bullies, Mm. with the people Mm. they despise, maybe, Mm. (laughs) with the people Mm. they don't want to see. And... Is there a way to account for this group dynamic? And uh... mm, For example, we had another project and this project was called E-Crisis. And the idea was to use a game to help these group dynamics. For example, in that particular project, four people, not necessarily people who know each other or who are friends with each other, are sitting in front of four different computers. And in these four computers, there's a game running, which is a village. And these four different people had four different roles. One could be the farmer, one could be the blacksmith, one could be different roles, different characters. And each character would be able to do something particularly. So um, the farmer needs to grow mushrooms, the blacksmith needs to repair the horses, there's the carpenter, there are various jobs and various roles. And the idea is that the village needs to work efficiently. 
Now, for the village to work efficiently, these four people need to learn how to communicate together. They need to learn how to work together. They need to be able to ask each other. But not everybody is kind. Not everybody is generous. So within the dynamics of the game, the group dynamics come out because there are people who are selfish and keep their homegrown produce to themselves and they don't share with the result that the village does not work and does not function. This particular game also had some AI into it because it generated different scenarios which the children had to contend with and which the children had to somehow overcome. So different challenges that together needed to work together. And again, post-game reflection brought out the importance of how communication skills can help overcome problems, can help form group dynamics, can help resolve conflicts, can help to see different viewpoints of different people, maybe even coming from different cultures or having somehow the ideas, depending on the environment I grew up in, depending on my previous experiences. And somehow there is no right way to make it work, you know, but working together, you can find a right way. It's not about finding the recipe, but it's like finding the right dynamics to work together. So we sort of like thought about this problem and we said, this game can help overcome these problems. So once again, we worked with schools and we worked with teachers of different subjects to try and see how to integrate games of the sort inside schools and together with the curriculum. Because it's a bit of a, let's say, narrow game with a narrow scope, then this particular game might not integrate with well with all the curricular subjects, mm-hmm. but with some subjects it will integrate better than others. We had a second game that worked with, on the other hand, rather than group dynamics, individual dynamics and this work this time on individual creativity or rather left the children some scope for themselves to help use icons to creatively draw a certain picture that came up basically whilst others had to guess whether this was correct or not correct all anonymized form so that there's less pressure and less tension this is a very watered down version of the game but in reality the idea was to foster creativity through individuals within a diverse group so yes there is an element of group dynamics and there are ways to try and help develop group dynamics again I keep repeating almost the same thing. It's also important for the teacher, for the learning support assistants who actually know the students to help them gel, to help them integrate, to try and group people together who work well together, or maybe who might work well, even though they don't know each other, to foster new friendships, new ties. And with games, yes, there could be a medium where these new bonds are formed. So this research ended in 2016. Have you seen much integration into schools? Can you say how much progress you've made from the research ending and where has your research gone now? The website and the toolkit is available online. Mm -hmm. So first of all, this particular project had an accompanying website with this toolkit. The idea was that because children usually say that games played at school are very boring, we wanted to get these really cool off-the-shelf games that children play at home not the 18 plus ones, Mm -hmm. which unfortunately somehow there's kind of a drive, but the more popular ones that are age related. In fact, we did categorize them even by ages. So the popular off-the-shelf games, some of which are free, some of which have a license or they can be bought, not just video games or digital games, but also board games. And basically what we did was create a book for the teachers where they can refer to the game 
which we've linked in the toolbox, and see how an example of how to integrate it into the lesson. So you can adapt the different games to the different curricular areas, to the different language areas. And with that experience, what is your next project? next idea? Following that project, we also evolved sort of our research and we went into the idea of using two particular games to try and teach soft skills in a society that is always more inclusive, that where we're seeing a lot of integration from different cultures, different ideas, different people coming together. And now we're progressing a bit further. As I mentioned before, I come from the Department of AI, Artificial Intelligence. And as we know, Artificial Intelligence right now is quite a hot topic, not just because of it as a buzzword, but because in reality, society is moving towards what we're calling the fourth industrial revolution, where we're seeing a lot of artificial intelligence going to be applied in jobs, in various areas where we're living, in society. The idea is to improve the quality of life. But for that to happen, the people need to be trained. The workforce needs to be trained. And at the moment, we've got a young generation of people who is already being used to AI, AI in smartphones, AI in personal assistants at home, like Siri, like Google. Like They're growing Netflix. up with them. They're growing up with them. They're growing up with, with artificial intelligence. So we sort of thought, why not do something for schools, in schools and with schools, to be able to try and have children understand, even through games, through something which they can understand, how AI works. Well, what is AI? AI is the way machines learn right? AI is making a machine a bit more intelligent, using some of the concepts of human intelligence to make a machine do or behave or carry out a task which normally humans do. So for that to happen, the machine needs to learn. And we took three concepts of learning, like reinforcement learning or how a machine performs a particular intelligent search, how it decides an intelligent search, and others, for example, how the human brain is emulated, like in neural networks, all parts of artificial intelligence. And we classified them into a book with number of games, which when playing them, the children and reflecting on them, the children start to learn how AI operates or functions. For example, one game, one popular game was about rock, paper, scissors. So the game of rock, paper, scissors can be played with children as young as eight, which I have done it and tested, and a teacher can assume the role of the AI in this case. So that through the game, the children will learn how the AI is going to respond, how the AI is actually learning how to win at rock, paper, scissors. So these are short, chunky games, games that can be easily played in a classrooms that most of them don't require a huge amount of resources. Some of them require resources that are easily found like cups and strings and paper mm -hmm. clips and things like that. Maybe some um, sheets to print out. But other than that, there are games people are used to, concepts that people see, but we use these to explain how an artificial intelligent machine would learn how to do these tasks successfully. Thank you very much for joining us today, Vanessa. Thank you for inviting me. And best of luck with your next Thank you. research. That was all from Rethink for today. Tell us what you think about the episode by commenting on ThinkUM on Facebook, ThinkUni on Instagram, or ThinkUniMalta on Twitter. Rethink is produced by Think Magazine in collaboration with Campus FM. If you are listening to us from outside of Malta, you can find Think on isuu.com forward slash thinkuni. Our theme music is by Princess Wonderful. You can find the link to her profile in the show notes. 
your hosts, Daivara Pachkaite and Chris Stiles. Our sound technician is Carmo Grek. Find us on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thank you for listening, and bye for now.